Welcome. My name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. When I first started training dogs, there were so many things I wish I knew ahead of time so that I could avoid them, and that's what I'm going to do for you today. Whether you're a professional dog trainer, a new dog owner, or you've had some experience and you just want to quicken the process, I want to help you avoid all of the pitfalls that I only learned after 12,000 dogs and 10 years of training. This is one of the chapters from my new book, The Dog Training Booklet, which is available right now. You can get it at matadorcanine.com forward slash booklet. I hope you enjoy. The Dog Training Booklet, Chapter 8, Pitfalls to Avoid. Now that I got you motivated and excited to succeed by pointing out a few of the common traits of successful dog trainers and owners, it's time to call you out on some of the biggest mistakes people make when they begin their dog training journey or become too relaxed. This is going to be a brutal chapter for you to read, and I want you to intentionally think back to when I said good dog trainers look to solve problems. I'm not calling you out to hurt your feelings, but rather pointing out what so many have already done and suffered through wasted time, energy, or devastating events. Blaming your dog. Didn't I already talk about blaming your dog? I did in the aspect of looking toward the solution, but I want to explain why blaming your dog does not serve you. When you blame your dog, you take responsibility away from yourself. You can do nothing about the situation if you are not responsible for it in the first place. When individuals say, not my problem, they subconsciously remove themselves from the solution. They have essentially given up on their ability to change their outcome by blaming the dog. You are telling yourself that you can do nothing about their behavior and are stuck in your situation. As a result, you limit yourself in possibilities and destroy your relationship with your dog. They will perceive your blame as punishment and reduce their excitement around you. They will start to believe that working with you only ends in resentment and should be avoided at all costs. Being embarrassed by training. Don't be embarrassed by training your dog. Go out into the world into new situations and train. So what if they mess up? So what if you look weird? So what if people stare at you because you're making high-pitched voices and acting goofy around your dog? They don't have to live with your dog. You do. You're reading this book because you believe that you can change your dog's behavior for good. You've invested all of this time and energy training them and are going to shy away from a few strangers you'll never see again in your life. When you get nervous or anxious about the world around you, just remember that they do not have the same relationship as you and your dog. They might have a dog of their own, but are failing to see the adventures that could be in front of them because they are suffering from their own limiting beliefs. You will no longer have limiting beliefs. You will no longer be embarrassed because you're looking at the big picture and focusing more on your ultimate goal than those around you. Letting others ruin your dog's training. Since you've overcome the embarrassment of training out in the world, you are bound to run into strangers or families unknowingly sabotaging your dog's training and hard work. Don't let their feelings or bad habits get in the way of you stopping them from ruining your dog's manners or obedience. For example, I often work with clients on politely telling someone not to pet their dog while out for a walk. For many people, this comes naturally, but others must set out to practice it frequently. Just like teaching your dog any new skill, this behavior has to be worked in and out of context and broken down into manageable pieces that you can succeed. In the meantime, control the environment by training away from people and distractions. If you must interact, have a backup plan or alternative course of action if they don't listen to your instructions. 
You need complete control over your dog's training and life, especially when teaching new behaviors and eliminating old habits. Don't let others push you around because they are great with dogs and have had them their whole life. Contrary to popular belief, those qualifications do not make somebody great with dogs or loved by every four-legged companion they meet. Instead, it only gives them a false sense of authority on the subject, and you should prepare yourself for a disagreement and the potential for hurt feelings. You need to be more invested in your dog's training and future than in that individual's feelings. Too many playdates without training. When you first get a young dog or look into dog training, one of the most important topics discussed is socialization. When we talk about socialization as professional dog trainers, we teach our dogs to be ordinary and accustomed to the world around them. The environment around them should not be stressful or elicit any adversive response or overly stimulated excitement. Your dog should seem neutral to everything they need to know is ordinary. This includes people, dogs, cars, bicycles, skateboards, the occasional wild animal, and kids flaying around in joyous glee. However, often this is confused with the socialization of one-on-one -on -one or group interactions between other dogs and people. When people hear socialization, they think of social media or socializing with friends. Therefore, when they hear the advice to socialize their dog, they incorrectly assume socialization means bringing their dog to the dog park or having playdates with friends and family. Don't get me wrong, I have nothing against having your dog play with other dogs, as long as the dogs know each other and they both have even temperaments that complement one another. However, you can easily overdo it. Instead of telling you to never have your dog play with another dog, I will give you better advice. The simple formula to avoid a dog that's overstimulated and thrashing about when they see another dog out for a walk or get so excited that they pee when they meet somebody is obedience and focus, then meeting and play, then obedience and focus again. Follow that simple formula whenever you want your dog to interact with another human being or canine companion. You will find them automatically resorting back to obedience and focus when they want to interact, and you should reward them immediately with that interaction. If you've already let your dog greet other dogs and people with the excitement that emulates a puppy with zoomies, then you will need help implementing this new strategy. Start slow, split the behavior down, and back chain it so that when they see the individual dog or person, pay immediate thought is to sit or lay down and then reward them accordingly over a long period. If you do that consistently, their initial reaction when seeing people or dogs will be to focus and be obedient to what you ask them to do, and then rewarded with going to go say hi. Going more than three days without training. As mentioned earlier, habits can be formed and broken quickly. Although it takes roughly 90 days to solidify this habit, you can easily break it in three days. Any addictive habit can come back or mundane tasks forgotten if we do not set up a system that keeps us accountable. Due to this fact, three days is the magic number. If you go more than three days without training your dog, not only will you fall off the wagon entirely, but your dog will most likely not remember all the things you have worked on. I often work with clients who trained six months ago, three months ago, and two weeks ago, and they all have the same problem. They start seeing results, get excited, and then stop due to a few factors, but more often than not, it's simply not setting the expectation high enough. If a goal is too simple and you achieve it quickly, you stop progressing. However, if the goal is too far away, it seems out of reach, and you fail to train adequately. Instead of setting significant lofty goals, create goals with sub-goals, like breaking down behavior for your dog, that you can achieve weekly. 
For example, your ultimate goal might to be compete in an obedience competition in six months. Your weekly plan might be to get your dog to sit and recall this week. The following week, you work on place, heel, and distractions. The next week, you start building in duration and distance and continue until you have taught everything you need at a reliable competency in preparation for the competition. If you go longer than three days without training, start over and brush up on everything your dog used to know. You cannot expect them to perform if it has been a few days since they practiced. It is better to be conservative in your approach and ensure they understand what you are asking them to do instead of setting them up for failure. Keep yourself accountable by posting on social media or taking a daily vlog video of all of your training. Even if you do not post the videos, it will help build a more robust habit since you have a detailed record of every day you train. In addition, bullet journaling and vlogs saved in private folders help keep successful people on track and achieve their goals faster than the average person. Not keeping records for you and your family or other trainers. Staying organized and keeping detailed notes when training your dog as a family is essential to the success of your training program. Prevent confusion and misunderstandings that can derail your progress by spending three minutes after your session writing down what happened. Detailed notes can also be invaluable for tracking your dog's progress and identifying areas that may need additional attention. By keeping a record of your training sessions, you can easily see what is working and what isn't, allowing you to make adjustments and fine-tune your approach as needed. Furthermore, stay on track and avoid the pitfalls that can often lead to frustration and setbacks. A system that keeps everyone accountable and focused on the ultimate goal is crucial to ensuring that your training program is successful. In your design, include specific goals for each training session and work towards them, as well as provide regular feedback and support to keep everyone motivated and engaged. You can create a positive, supportive environment that encourages learning and growth by keeping everyone on the same page and working towards the same outcome. Chapter 8 Questions What are some common mistakes people make when they begin their dog training journey? Why is it important not to blame your dog for its behavior? How can you prevent others from ruining your dog's training? Why is it important not to let others push you around during your dog's training? What are the potential consequences of not taking responsibility for your dog's actions? How can you politely stop someone from interfering with your dog's training in public? What is the potential impact of letting your limiting beliefs hold you back? How can you maintain control over your dog's training in distracting environments? How do successful dog trainers and owners approach problem solving in dog training? What can you do to overcome the embarrassment of training your dog in public? If you got massive value out of today's episode, please let me know. Reach out on social media. And if you think that the dog training booklet, How to Teach Your Dog Anything, is right for you, you can get the ebook as well as the audio program at matadorcanine.com forward slash booklet. Matadorcanine.com forward slash booklet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and connect with me on your favorite social media platform.